After hearing Nils Lofgren's new solo release, The Loner, Nils Sings Neil, I jumped at the chance to catch up with the busy musician while he was in New York City on the short break between the American and European legs of the E Street Band's touring with Bruce Springsteen. This is Air Steven. Spurred by the music and release of Neil's new solo project, the conversation goes in-depth here. The topics include the making of the new CD, the amazing original Ralph Steadman Stratocaster, and Neil's online guitar school. I find a very gracious Nils Lofgren and am extended a unique perspective and insight into some of my favorite Neil Young projects and bands, After the Gold Rush, Tonight's the Night and the Santa Monica Flyers, Trans and the Trans Band, and Neil's Unplugged Sessions. Throw in the first meeting with Neil at just 17 years of age and the original Crazy Horse LP, and this journey is an inside look at a storied career. Join me now for a special Folk and Beyond feature, Nils Lofgren, A World on His Strings. It's Nils Lofgren from the E Street Band. You're listening to WTJU, Charlottesville. Your sound choice in Central Virginia. Keep on rocking. He's a perfect stranger like a cross of himself and a fox. He's a feeling arranger and a changer of the way he talks He's the unforeseen danger, the keeper of the key to the rocks Now when you see him, nothing can free Step aside, open wide, it's a loner. If you see him in the subway, he'll be down at the end of the car. Watching you move until he knows, he knows who you are When you get off at your station alone, he'll know that you are Now when you see him, nothing can free him Step aside, open wide, he's alone. Da, 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 da. 
about a year or so ago She had something that it needed And it pleaded with her not to go On the day that she left It died, but it did not show Can free him Step aside Open wide It's alone No one you see him Nothing can free him Nothing can free It's a loner. It's a loner. That was the title cut from Nils Lofgren's brand new CD, The Loner. Nils sings Neil. Just like most of the tunes on this particular CD that Nils has chosen to cover of Neil Young's, what an incredible intro to that. On the phone with us today, we are lucky enough to have the man himself, Nils Lofgren. How you doing, Nils? I'm great, Air. How are you? It's uh, nice to hear somebody sharing my uh, new music a little bit. Thank you. Well, this was a project the uh, folks in the Rust world have uh, been talking about for some time, and we're quite excited about. And I got to say that when I heard it the first time, I was tickled. Well, thank you. I, I got to admit it was not my idea. Um, my manager, Anson, suggested I make an album of my favorite Neil Young songs, and I really would have never thought of it, but <clears throat> I had a couple months off um, over Christmas in the E Street tour, and certainly the last thing on my mind was, you know, writing, producing, arranging, recording, mixing, mastering an entire record. But when Anson presented me with this concept, uh, first of all, I love Neil, and I'm a big fan, have a lot of history with him. He's made a lot of made all these songs into great records already, so I thought the only shot of this working would be if I did them live. No overdubbing, no production, all with one instrument, a guitar or a piano in my home. And uh, kind of in the spirit of David Briggs, our producer, and my mentor growing up, and Neil um, at an early age making the Gold Rush record and Tonight's the Night, uh, I tried to see it through David's eyes and produce something that was emotional and raw but had a good feel and I hope I was successful. I think so. In fact, I see this is even produced by David Briggs. It's a strange thing. <laughs> I, You know, I'm so, uh, I, I'm so born, I grew up to be someone that loves the live environment in front of an audience. I struggle in the studio with the patience required to make records and I, part of my job is to find that patience and continue to make records but I felt as if I approached this entire project through David Briggs' eyes. And as strange as it seems, I felt like his spirit was on my shoulder the whole time, keeping it real, so I felt like it was appropriate to give him the, the production credit. You can tell my dream is real Because I love you Can you see me?
Can you tell us, I know I've read several different stories about the, uh, uh, I guess it's not quite as infamous as the story that uh, of the hearse meeting out in L.A. and the Buffalo Springfield story, but the story of Neil meeting you at some coffee shop or something, and maybe you can give us the real story, the true story right from the horse's mouth on how this relationship started. Okay, well... I was 17. I just hit the road as a professional musician in 1968, and my band Grin. Uh, we were all doing. We were doing original music. We were about to leave for Los Angeles to look for work. And uh, back in the 60s, one thing I knew was I, I was completely ignorant about the music industry. I was a little scared because I dropped out of high school and. Everybody in my community and my friends thought I was making a terrible mistake, thinking I could be a rock musician. But 17-year-olds know everything, so you had a head start. Yeah, right. Well, surprisingly, (laughs) even though I was a teenager who knew everything, all of a sudden I realized I knew nothing (laughs) because I made this radical decision. So I was in the habit of taking my telly or always trying to sneak backstage at every show I could go to and ask for advice from musicians. I was a big fan of the Buffalo Springfields, I saw Neil Young was playing with Crazy Horse. At that point, I was unfamiliar with that record. I was so wrapped up in grin, writing, and trying to make my way as a scared young professional musician, songwriter. Anyway, the cellar door was a great like 200-seat coffee house, little bar that I saw many great acts in, from Tim Harden to Muddy Waters to Neil Young, of course. But I snuck backstage into the dressing room, which I knew well. I walked in on Muddy Waters a couple times. He let me watch him playing cards. But long story short, you know, I kind of asked for advice and seemed kind of probably hyper and nervous. And Neil was kind enough to give me his Martin guitar and ask me, well, first he asked if if I had any original songs. I said, yeah, we got an album's worth. We're going to L.A. to look for a record deal. So why don't you sing me one? And I did. And he asked me to sing him another. So I sang four or five songs from from the first Grin record that was probably two years away from being made at this point. That was right there on the spot with uh, Neil's acoustic guitar. Yeah, right in front of him in the dressing room. And, of course, Crazy Horse, who later became good friends, and I made their first and only album with Danny Witten. But this was our first introduction, and they were, like, kind of, you know, not not that uh, excited to have an interloper. And they're like, hey, go to New York. Why don't you go to New York? And I said, well, we went to New York. We struck out in New York. We're going to L.A. So anyway, Neil invited me to stay, uh, hang out with him in the afternoons at his hotel. He got me a, I'm, I was 17, so I was underage, so he got me a cheeseburger and a Coke each night to watch two great shows a night um, over the weekend, and he did four shows. I was amazed that, I mean, I knew he was great from the Springfield, but I really didn't, wasn't aware of, of the, the caliber of writing and band leading that he already possessed at that point. And by the time he left town, you know, I'd spent enough time with him that he was sincere when he said, look me up in L.A. We did. He actually called me from the road once or twice to offer some encouragement because uh, we were in some, you know, standard early showbiz managerial messes. And uh, he was just very encouraging and positive. And the journey continued in L.A. Um, David Briggs, Neil's producer, who I met through Neil pretty quickly, moved me into his home and took Grin under his wing. And... Uh, we became the local band at the Corral, a bar out there in Topanga Canyon where David lived and I lived with them and Neil would come sit in with us. And Long story short, uh, while we were finding our way as Grin, 
uh, with David Briggs uh, a year later at 18 years of age. Neil called and said he was doing the After the Gold Rush project and wanted me to play mostly piano and a little acoustic guitar and sing on the project, which turned out to be an amazing experience for me at any age. But especially at 18, it was a huge uh, and, and beautiful opportunity. I note, and you've talked about it just briefly, you picked two instruments to use on this CD that you've just released, The Loner Nils Sings Neil. And one of them was the Martin D-18 that you said that Neil ended up giving to you on the liner notes. Yeah, no, that's true. What happened was, first of all, he said mostly he wanted me to play piano, and I was, you know, I was concerned because I wasn't a piano player. But Neil and David felt because I'd studied classical accordion for 10 years, I could work out some simple piano parts, which fortunately, they were correct. I uh, was scared about that and practiced day and night every second I had, but it worked out. Um, I did not own an acoustic guitar at the time, so Neil lent me this Martin D-18 that he'd had, and David said he'd written some great songs on, and at the end of the project, he gave it to me as a gift, and of course, it remains my most you know, treasured uh, guitar and was the obvious choice to do these live performances of, of Neil Young's songs. Of course, I had to use this D-18 that was a gift from Neil at the uh, Gold Rush Project. It's interesting that the two songs that you picked for your CD that were originally released on After the Gold Rush, you have chosen both tunes that you played piano on. Well, actually, that's another <clears throat> bone I had to pick with Neil <laughs> that's I don't think it's ever been corrected. Um, I I played piano on I think four or five tracks, acoustic guitar on a couple, and sang on most of the record. But Neil Young played the piano on the title track after the Gold Rush, and he played the piano on Birds. Jack Nitsche played the piano on When You Dance I Can Really Love, and I sang the high harmonies with Ralph Molina. So when the record came out, I said Neil. Why did you give me piano credit and not yourself and not Jack? Because uh, people are going to think I played all the piano. And he said, "Ah, it's all right. Don't don't worry about it." And, <laughs> and you know, I, I wasn't as a young teenager in a position. Listen, I was just so thrilled for the opportunity that. But to this day, I have to clarify that. And, <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, I I did. Uh, I don't even know if I got guitar credit on the songs I played guitar on. But well, it doesn't matter. It was I was there. <laughs> I made the record, and I still am reaping the. Uh, benefits, experience, and rewards of, of being part of such a, a beautiful project. Well, you certainly get the credit for playing piano on this album on Only Love Can Break Your Heart. And we're going to go to that right now. This is Nils Lofgren playing, I guess, in your living room. Yeah, we uh, uh, we have this funky old five-foot um, hardman that belonged to my wife's father, who she never knew. That's a whole other story in the liner notes. They're both very two instruments with a lot of character but I did play um, piano on the original Only Love Can Break Your Heart and sing some harmonies so it was a natural to, to do it on this uh, piano again when I did it in my own version Here's the sparkling version of Only Love Can Break Your Heart from the loner Nils Sings Neil When you were young and on your own how did it feel to be alone? I was always thinking of games that I was playing Trying to make the best of my time But only 
your heart Try to be sure Right from the start Yes, only love Can break your heart But if your world Should fall apart I have a friend I've never seen He hides his head inside a dream Someone should call him and see If he can come out Try to lose the down that he's found but only love can break your heart Try to be sure right from the start Yes, only love can break your heart What if your world should fall? I have a friend I've never seen He hides his head inside a dream Yes, only love can break your heart Yes, only love can break your heart This is Air Stephen with WTJU Charlottesville. I'm back with Nils Lofgren, who we're talking with about his newest project in CD, The Loner Nils Sings Neil. You know, Nils, the first time I ever saw you perform was on an incredible show that I had traveled from. I was a freshman in college, and I traveled from Lincoln, Nebraska, to the Auditorium Theater in Chicago in 1973. And you were playing with Neil Young and the Santa Monica Flyers, and it was, it was a revelation. <laughs> it had to be the Tonight's the Night tour. It was the Tonight's the Night tour, and of course, back then there was no internet. There was no, uh, there was no video. Word, word nothing. Yeah, there was nothing. There was no word out on what was really happening with these tours. So, really, when we as an audience would go to that it was totally unprepared for anything and as we knew through the years for those of us who have seen many of Neil's shows they were always these art pieces that well only Neil can do and the Tonight's the Night tour was was truly something 
you know, did you guys ever change clothes during that whole tour? Or uh, no, <laughs> I think the, uh, the the theme of the album and the tour was uh, it was kind of like a wake for our friends Danny Whitten and Bruce Barry, and it was a pretty uh, funky, down and dirty group. But we commiserated through the music and the record and the tour. And I have to ask you an honest question: Did were you because the tour was so bizarre and different, and we weren't doing any of the hits? Were you, as an audience member and a fan of Neil, uh, initially disappointed? No, I've always, one of the things that have always drawn me to Neil Young was the fact that whether it was Trans, which was another one you were involved with, the Trans band out right. in, in Europe, or, or whether it was a solo show, or that it was always different. And, and Greendale, you'd go see Neil Young and he would play all these songs that you'd never heard before. And it, to me, was like, this is an artist. This is what art's all about. All these other people. You know, they're just trying to make money supporting their album and playing the stuff that you've already heard and duplicating it. But this man was was truly out there on the edge. Well, that's great because, you know, we, we had done two weeks in England and in general it was very poorly received. People were more, were, came expecting to hear the hits. And it's funny because I tour England almost every year and to this day, uh, every night at the end of the show, I am at a CD table. The bus driver sells CDs and I sign them and T-shirts and people regularly come up every night and say hey i'm sorry i booed you now i realize it was one of the cooler shows i ever saw i just didn't have it together when i was in the audience for the tonight's tonight show and uh it's funny i'm glad you're one of the people that kind of gives neil his due as an artist to share what he's feeling passionate about at that time with you as an audience member seems like we always have to suffer through the loud mouths that are screaming out <laughs> to play other stuff that that you know rather than let the artist pick his tunes but this particular show you know, Harvest was done, and I hadn't seen Time Fades Away. I'd heard Time Fades Away, but it still wasn't as dark as this. And the stage was dark. It was, you know, my memory, I have to admit, might be a bit tainted from those days. Right. <laughs> but what I remember was this floodlight, this darkness on the stage, and Neil in this dirty white suit, and the palm tree on the side of the stage, and everything. everybody else in the band was, like, dark, wearing dark clothes. And and when you got once you played tonight's tonight like on the third song, it changed through the whole thing. And you guys must have played tonight's tonight. I think it was the longest tonight's tonight to that date. It was like 40 minutes, 35 minutes, or something crazy. Yeah, you know, it was really an exciting adventure to be in that band. We had, of course, BJ was our palm tree roadie who had a, a light bulb on a palm tree that would just turn it on at command. And Neil, I wore the the music was so. Um, there was such a deep, slow pocket that I wound up wearing combat boots and ankle weights just to keep myself down in a kind of a syrupy groove with Ralphie to help with that. But Neil would uh, regularly just kind of pound on the piano. I'd get up with my combat boots and stomp on the piano and play with my teeth. And I think Neil really went into this rap thing where he would start just talking about, you know, Bruce Barry and sticking the sticking the guitar in his arm and just going crazy like yeah. almost like extraneous rap off the songs and it was just to me a very magical passionate sharing of a, a, a incredibly um, different artistic view that Neil was into at the time so uh, you know I was proud of him and happy to be a part of it but I, I had to recognize a lot of fans weren't going to get it. Were, were, were you guys, was it a tequila-ized thing? Was it, it seemed like you guys started drinking or something early in the set. Yeah, well, part of the theme of the record, we, we made it at SIR in a rehearsal hall, and Neil specifically told us or warned us, um, after all the beautiful pr produced records he'd made, 
he wanted to uh, one of the themes of this project was to not only play live but play songs live that you don't know that well so he had a way him and david briggs who recorded had a way of like kind of teaching his stuff but by the time we were actually kind of practicing it uh, we went into performance mode, like, okay, we're not practicing now, we're going to record this, like a little mini set, we do four or five songs, and uh, Ralphie and I'd be singing harmonies live, half the time we didn't even know the words, or we were just kind of winging it, David would get it all on tape, and Neil wouldn't let us fix anything, and in retrospect, I see why, you know, it was a very earthy, guttural approach, to, it was like the antithesis to all production. Please take my advice. wasn't supposed to go down that way But they burned his brother, you know And they left him lying in the driveway They let him down with nothing He tried to do his best, but he could not Please take my advice Now you're talking about the actual CD now, or, or LP yeah, I'm talking then? about the tonight's tonight CD. And back to your original point, we got together about dinner time every night and pretty much shot pool and drank tequila uh, till midnight and got a nice buzz on and, and mainly a camaraderie and a commiserie. Uh, and then through the night, almost every night, all night long till dawn, we do these mini sets of music, take a break, hang out, you know, whatever, late night, you know junk food, tequila. I mean, we do, our goal wasn't to get falling down trash, but our goal was to kind of have this uh, commiseration over our dead friends and this beautiful dark music and just get in the same place. And uh, it just, it wasn't uh, that premeditated. It's just what went down. The song that you picked from the Tonight's the Night album to put on the loner, Neil Sings Neil, was World on a String. And it's the only tune that you play on slide guitar, or that you use a slide, I believe. Yeah, it's actually a, um, a bottleneck dobro that's tuned really low. What happened was, so World on a... a String was a song I played piano and sang on the record and on the tour. But there was a <clears throat> kind of this funkiness in the verses that turned into more of a, like a melancholy melody in the uh, choruses. And I felt like if I was going to do something alone with one instrument, there had to be a darkness to it that was reminiscent of the entire record. 
So I didn't feel like the piano was the right thing, and I, I thought the guitar was even too pretty. So I thought if I did some bottleneck dobro in a really low key, I might have a ch chance at capturing the darkness of that period. And, and I, that was like my live demo, and I, I didn't even try to top it because it had the character of that album, to me anyway, in the, in the live performance I did that's on the record. This is World on a String from Niels Sings Neil, the loner. The, the brand new project in CD from Nils Lofgren. And the intro to this is just spectacular. In fact, the intro guitar work on all of these songs are, are, is truly amazing. Yeah, I, I, thank you, Aaron. I, my intent was really to make this record about singing and songs. So I, I played everything for two weeks before I recorded anything. And there were just a couple songs like The Loner and World on a String that just seemed to want to start with a little instrumental riffing. It, riffing. it wasn't really premeditated, but those were two that lent itself to my melodic blues style a bit more that wound up on the record. Here it is now, World on a String from the new CD from Nils Lofgren, The Loner, Nils Sings Neil. Well, the world on 
been listening to Nils Lofgren, A World on His Strings, a special Folk and Beyond feature right here on The Sound Choice in Central Virginia, WTJU, Charlottesville. We'll be right back. <laughs>